Hello and welcome to the Chip Away podcast. My name's Adam and I talk with passionate construction professionals and try to chip away at what it is to build, create and shape the landscape we live in. Today on the show is Andrew Way. Andrew is a high school educator of construction in California who has been involved in the construction industry for over 22 years. His background in the trades range from historical restoration and preservation to new home and remodeling. Andrew is doing a fantastic work in developing the next generation of construction professionals and I really enjoyed hearing about his passion for the industry. His mission is to fill the skills gap one student at a time and I believe he's really making a difference to a lot of young people's lives. To introduce Andrew is a quote from the man himself and that is to use the right tool for the right job. Andrew, how's it going? Thanks for coming on the Chip Away podcast. Appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Cool. So let's get straight into your story, man. You've, um, I've been following you a little bit on what you're doing on Instagram and um, even on the, the Hammer app, which is uh, kind of where I found out about you in the first place. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, take me back. Take me back to what got you interested in this industry and construction and, and where it all started. I started my desire to build was probably when I was before the age of 10. My grandfather taught me how to pound nails. He owned a farm here in town and he raised chickens and other things. And with his two hands, he built something that took care of my family for generations. Right. So for me, that's, that was my start. Okay, cool. So he built his own kind of farm and, and, and all of the buildings and stuff like that. Yep. Right, right. So did you have anyone in your family who was involved in the construction industry or was it more a kind of do-it-yourself, practical sort of bunch of people that, that led you in that direction? Actually, I come from a family of teachers. Okay. So for a little while, I was kind of the black sheep because I wasn't going that direction. Sure, sure. In the okay. long run, I ended up back there. But at the end of the, you know, at the beginning of all of it, I was the one that I went my way. Sure, sure. So going your way, so I mean, like you say, you started um, you started mucking around with, with construction when you were a little kid. It obviously led into moving into the trades. Um, so you finished school perhaps and started an apprenticeship. Is that kind of how it went? Yeah, I, I got out of high school. I tried college for a minute. It was not, it was not my thing. Okay. I wasn't mature enough to handle being in class and taking care of assignments and doing that kind of stuff. So I got into construction. I started in commercial plumbing right? and um, that job, I had that job for about six months. It was fun. I was set up and ready to get into the ABC and apprenticeship apprenticeship program here in the the States. And uh, I lost that job. That was an eye opener for how things and responsibilities kind of need to be at the forefront. Um, The foreman I was working with, my responsibility every day was to put away all the tools that he got out plus anything I got out. He got stuff out that I didn't know was out. So he lost tools. Mm. Um, so that night he went back and reported that they cut me loose the next morning. Uh, lo and behold, through friends that still worked for the company, he found his stuff. He got his tools back, but you're still out of job. Yeah. From there, I actually went into res, uh, residential construction 
doing historical restoration and preservation. Oh. I went to work for my high school woodshop teacher. Okay. Yeah. So that was probably the most fun I'd, I had in all of construction. Yeah. 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 There must've been some pretty cool projects. So what kind of age of buildings are you working on in that sort of, in that sort of time? In that, in that time period, we were going from, they, they usually averaged about 75 to 105 years old. Wow. Yeah. Definitely. So that was kind of where you cut your teeth on that, um, you know, working out how, how carpenters did it back then and adapting to, to what we do now. And yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a way to learn. Yeah. Cause those guys with simple hand tools did amazing, amazing work. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun to, you know, you learn to make windows, you learn to make siding, you learn to make molding because when you're making, when you're repairing those old houses, you have to meet the look that it originally had. Yes. So you can't change much. Mm. So you're you're having to fabricate all that stuff on your own, and that mm. was the most fun. Yeah, definitely. Out of interest, is that actually in the states? Is that kind of um, kind of stated by law that uh, I know over here in New Zealand, when you touch a, a building that's kind of over a certain age old, um, you have to really step up your game as far as like for like and materials and everything down to, you know, sourcing, um, you know, secondhand things that kind of should be fitting in that house uh, and all sorts. Do they, how far do they go with that over in the States? They have a, a, a national society. So if you're in a nationally registered home or you meet the qualifications of, mm-hmm. you have to follow their guidelines. Yes. Building codes have to follow those guidelines for those homes. I mean, inspectors have to learn all new rules and regulations mm-hmm. just to go and inspect anything you do on those homes. Mm-hmm. Um, everything on the exterior that's vi- uh, visible to the public eye cannot be altered. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's, it comes all the way down to they give you a list of colors you can pick from in order to paint the outside of the house. Wow. Or the building. Yeah. And not change too far out of that time period. Mm-hmm. So um, I think they give, you a th- they give you a small window. Like they don't narrow it down to the year, but they give you that, that, that range and you cannot go outside of that at all. Yeah, that's cool. I guess that that generates a bit of a labor of love for the owners of those properties, you know, because you you have to be passionate about your building because, you know, every time you want to make a little change to your house, someone's got to know about it. So, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, so, so you served an apprenticeship with him or you um, – how did that work? Um. It was just kind of not a, a registered apprenticeship. Sure. It was just you learn and you go. Yeah. Because for commer- for residential construction, there's not much apprenticeship-wise here in California. Okay. And so uh, if you get into plumbing or electrical or HVAC or any of the other trades, there there are for residential and commercial construction, there are. Mm-hmm. If you – there's uh, – at the time, I didn't know of it. There's only one – that covers a general contractor's apprenticeship program here in this area. Right. Um, they were not very well known. I didn't even find out about them until I became a teacher and because they wanted to come and speak to my students. And as soon as I found out about them being a non-union, absolutely, get in here. We need to talk to 
because mm. a lot of my students go non-union. Yep. And so there's not as much for those kids apprenticeship-wise. It's years served. Okay, sure, sure. So how many years were you, were you with him and, and did you move around in the construction industry going forward? I was with him for six years. Mm. Then I did... Um, then I moved up the street when his business shut down, moved up the street to a general contractor that did new home construction and, uh, remodeling. So that was an interesting change to go from the old homes, Mm. having to match what is already there to starting from scratch. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big difference. I know my own experience, I've kind of done both throughout the years and um there's still a lot of guys over in new zealand um and i'm sure worldwide you know construction is moving even in residential is more and more towards prefabrication and kind of things being built off-site and you become almost more of an assembler than a craftsman in terms of you know like you say what those guys were able to achieve all those years ago so um yeah, it's a bit different. You know, you probably would have went from the skills that you learned on those old houses, how to, you know, maybe pitch your own roofs to just standing up trusses and stuff like that. So it, it uh, it's a change. Standing up trusses was an interesting one. Yeah. Cutting roofs was something I acquired afterwards. I acquired, okay. I cut my first one in, uh, for the second employer when, uh, we were doing remodel construction, sure. just a simple gable to extend, just to extend a gable as we added a room off the back, mm-hmm. uh, making their kitchen larger. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the first one I had ever done. And we did predominantly, uh, remodel work. Mm-hmm. And when he did new home construction, he brought framers in and then all we became was finished carpenters. Okay. So then we would go through and we would trim it out. So learning how to roll trusses and set that up and, put up those roofing systems. I just did that on my own with a buddy who is still a general contractor. Now mm-hmm. I just said, Hey, teach me how to do this. I got to show these kids how to do it in my classroom. Show me, teach me. Sure. I went out and I worked for him for pretty much for free. And <laughs> it's like, Hey, I, you know, I have to continue my education somehow. And yes. trusses weren't prevalent at the time in residential construction like they are now. Um, so I never rolled trusses until just recently. Okay, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I know from from what I've observed um, on the outside looking into the, at least what you guys do in the States, um, you know, over here, we don't, we don't really, um, especially residential, we don't really um, categorize carpenters as, oh, you're a framer, you're a finished carpenter, you're a rough carpenter. Um, you know, pretty much if you're a carpenter, you're doing all of those things. So it sounds like over there it's, um, you know, more subdivided into what you're doing as far as a carpenter every day on site. Um, yeah, it yeah. is. It's very, very much. You can get your general contractor's license. You can get just a framer's license to right. where all you can do business wise is go in, frame, stick frame the house. That's it. You're just doing the, the, the skeleton. Okay. Uh, it, they, the state has broken it down literally into every single individual trade. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think that affects the craftsmanship of, of this industry? I mean, obviously each guy in his own category is, is great at what 
he or she does. Um, but do you think that takes away from the overall skill set of what a carpenter perhaps should have or, or can do? When you're younger, yeah, it does, because your focus mm. is speed. I've yeah. known lots of guys that can can build a house in no time flat mm-hmm. from just all you've got is a slab and J-bolt sticking up to roof is done, sheeted, everything's sheeted, windows are in, you know. Yeah. But when you walk through and you string a door, it's, it's way out. Or mm. you're looking at, at the framing and you're looking at – where two walls come together, plate line, you've got quarter-inch gaps on each side of of the second piece of top plate. It just when you're when you break it down that far, you you become focused on just yours. Yeah. So you're you're all about speed. Yeah. And less about quality. Yeah. Yeah. And I, if I build something, I want it to last for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I can knock it out in two weeks. Yeah. I want this, whatever I build, I want that structure to be there longer than I'm alive. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's a, um, it's a juggling act in general. I think, um, in the world, I know it's the same here in New Zealand. We, we kind of have somewhat of a housing crisis speaking just residential construction and, um, yeah, speed and efficiency is, is really, um, becoming, of course it's always, important but you know i think uh we're losing a lot of other skills and kind of level of quality in the houses and the the buildings that we produce which is a shame but um you know what can we do about that but i'm interested into how your kind of uh transition from being a carpenter who's obviously done quite a diverse range of work um moving into teaching and and how now you're teaching young guys and girls and and how you're trying to pass on a wide range of skills perhaps to the the next generation so they can kind of diversify and and um you know be better equipped to to tackle the industry as it as it develops so how did how did you get into teaching what's the history there so i was working at one of the high schools in riverside and the teacher, the construction teacher there, his name was Ron Skaggs. So he had two different types of construction classes. He had general construction. Uh, I think they were labeled construction one and two, te- construction technology one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he had a green construction academy. Okay. And so he used the academy to pretty much fund both classes because there was a ton of money at the time for academies. Mm-hmm. It also locked students in for two to three years. And so I watched his program for a couple of years. He and I would talk continuously. Um, he was, he was grooming me. And so he started introducing me to the people I needed to know in order to get in. Sure. And so because he was recommending me as soon as there was an opening, they called me first and said, told me to get online and make and put in my application. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went from there and then I just started watching what he did, not necessarily how he taught and interacted with the kids, but how he handled the teaching side of things because how you handle things in contracting is way different than how you can handle things on a high school campus. Yes. Kids are way different than adults, mm-hmm. but at the same time, when you get on a high school campus at times, the adults can be very much like kids. <laughs> yeah. And so things can be just as petty, but you can't resolve them the same way you could in construction. Like I can go and call someone out and throw in their face what they did we could hash it out however we decide to hash it out and it's done. Mm-hmm. 
and we can move on. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way in education. No. But um, the journey was kind of interesting because working and doing maintenance for schools was not my thing mm. because maintenance and schools here are, you know, get the job done as quickly as you can for the least amount of money as you can. And I'm more about if it's going to take me a week to grind all this concrete down so the kids don't trip, well, I'm going to take a week to grind all this concrete down so these kids aren't walking through the quad tripping while they're trying to eat their lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so maintenance was interesting, but he kept pushing because of my background and the things I had done to get me into the classroom. And once I got in, working with kids was easy because that was probably one of the most entertaining aspects of construction mm-hmm. was once I went from being the apprentice, the new kid out there digging the ditches yep. to I'm running multiple jobs now for the company I work for mm-hmm. managing five or six different guys running tools and materials and keeping, you know, I think the most jobs I had running at one time was six, right. keeping all that stuff going for all these crews. It's, it's a whole different dynamic so you get a lot of these young kids coming out of high school like myself getting into wanting a job so you're teaching Mm -hmm. so the transition to actually teaching wasn't hard because you were already doing that yes on the job Mm -hmm. and that was probably other than the challenge of the historical homes having to meet the standards of yesterday Mm -hmm. and build to the quality that they built to uh, that was probably the most fun I had in construction was teaching young kids and giving them the opportunity to grow within the industry and have a future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that obviously kind of uh, led you towards feeling that you had something to offer in teaching in high schools and, and, you know, going to guys who weren't yet employed and, and trying to be a mentor for them. So, I mean, walk me through kind of your day to day, um, uh, what you're doing exactly in in your day to day teaching teaching obviously high school kids is what you're teaching is that correct I mean I wouldn't mind yeah. kind of trying to get a view of of who these kids are and, and you know why they're in your class um, and and just in general what who's making up the 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 coming generations of of construction workers I think it's quite interesting so the the, I have an intro class that is hand tools only. Okay. We work on building stem walls that we can then turn around and to duplicate and replicate concrete paneling mm. for bigger jobs. Um, we build on the inside of the, the way we set it up, it's two sets of walls and they, they wrap around each other. Um, the inside you can frame up a house. The outside you can brace off, put all your bracketing in for, for concrete stem walls and, and paneling. So we've combined things that route, but for ninth graders, and it's a ninth grade only class, okay. uh, it's kind of, not to make it sound bad, it's a dumping ground because these are kids that are coming in from middle school, right mm-hmm. fresh to a, a high school campus. California has it set up that we're trying to expose kids to, to the different things that are on a high school campus. campus. Mm-hmm. So they get electives. They get a couple electives to try things out. Mm-hmm. So. They get stuck with me for a year, and then if they like it, they can come back and take construction one and construction two. Mm-hmm. And then we really focus on all the we'll, – we'll try to focus on as many of the trades as we can mm-hmm. in construction one. They have the opportunity to go through everything from being an architect in blueprint making 
yeah. all the way through uh, solar. We do weatherization for like what the out here what the utilities companies do to help make your home more energy efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, we do all kinds of stuff. I think there's we hit 21 different industry sectors within construction. Wow. And they can get exposed to whichever of those 21 they're most interested in. So we we go through safety. We take a safety test. They have to score 100% on or they, they're done. No mm-hmm. tools. Mm-hmm. Then from there, we spend about a week and a half trying to figure out what it is they're interested in. Mm-hmm. As we start breaking down what how to use each of the, the main, the actual tools that the kids will use. So as they're learning the tools, they're trying to figure out what trades they're interested in. And then they group up. And then they start building their projects. Mm-hmm. And then their final is whatever their main focus was, they get to be a part of the construction two project and just focus on that portion of the project. And then sure. it's graded from time to time. The city of Moreno Valley, which I teach in Moreno Valley, uh, will send a building inspector to actually come and inspect the, the, the house we built within my shop. Mm-hmm. And that's how it gets graded. Okay. If we can't do that, then a couple of teachers that are on my campus that have a construction background and I, we sit down, we follow the rubric, and we score out every phase of what they did. Mm-hmm. So um, we try to touch on as much as we can. We have very heavy union involvement between the electricians, the plumbers, the carpenters. The carpenters are probably the biggest supporter of my class, mm-hmm. and they're always in there. They're helping. We've partnered with. Uh, different cities doing projects for their community gardens just to expose the kids to as much building as we can. Everything from building a house to building just a fruit stand for like a a street fair market night kind of deal. Sure. Um, Anything and everything. Yeah. Like we built a, we built an art bungalow for a teacher. That's the ceramics teacher on campus. And we started it with, we did the whole process with the carpenters union and, um, Matt Pinella came out and did some video for us. Mm-hmm. He drove six and a half hours to, to meet these kids and videotape these kids because wow. he lives way up north. And uh, he came down and met with the kids and watched them go from they built walls in my classroom to we loaded them up, took them to this guy's house, stood them up on the slab that the, the teacher's son had poured, mm-hmm. uh, anchor bolted them down. We got some Titan HDs and drilled them in and bolted them down. The kids did all the work and the adults, this was the interesting part was the adults had to take a step back because the kids needed to do all the building. So it became interesting to watch the union guys just point and talk and tell. Mm. And so it was a lot of fun. It took three days to get the project buttoned up to where we could leave. So we actually, the seniors that were working on the project graduated and kept coming back over the summer in order to finish it. Wow. And so, I mean, it was, it was an amazing project. Yeah. We had uh, Stabila level reached out and gave some of my students levels. Uh, Skill Tool USA gave the kids Mag 77s, brand new out of the box. Cobalt sent power tools to the kids as well. I mean, Diamondback Tool Bags gave one of the boys free bags. Matt Pinella brought down a set of Occidental Leathers for one of the other boys that went in the union. Wow. I mean, they got all kinds of good stuff, and all they were doing was just donating their time. Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of fun, but we, we try to expose these kids to whatever it is they want to do. I get a lot of kids whose parents are already running a contracting company, mm-hmm. and 
they're in my class to learn skills because they're taking over the company. Got you. So I'm all about whatever it is the kids want to do. So what are you, what are you seeing? Are you seeing any trends in this younger generation of what, where their interests lie? You know, are there any kind of certain areas? Like you say, you cover a lot of different aspects of, of construction in general. Where are they kind of interested in, at least in the, the early stages? One of the big trends I've seen is you get a lot of kids that they've grown up wanting to get out of town, so they're going to go military. Mm. The, the, the interesting thing I find with all that is they're, they've got their time figured out. They know how many years they're doing in the military, and then they know what they're going to go do next. Right. So you get, I've gotten a lot of kids that as soon as they're done, they want to come back and go right into either the carpenters union or general contracting mm. because they're getting into the engineering side of the military. They want to go build. They're going to do it this way so they can get out of town. But at the same time, they know what they're doing for the next level. Mm. And it's interesting to see from like my generation, kids come, going through high school, you didn't have a clue what you were going to do. You, you know, you didn't really, these kids have more of a plan in place for what they want to do. Even the ones that aren't going to school. Mm. Um, I couldn't tell you this year alone, I probably had, six kids that were enlisted to go military, they're going to go four, maybe eight years max. And as soon as they're done, they're going into one of the apprenticeships. Yeah. They've already put their paperwork into either the electrical apprenticeship or the carpenter's apprenticeship program. Mm -hmm. And that's where they're going to go. They're going to use the helmets, the hard hat program to get themselves right in the door. Even though they already have credit from taking my class with both the unions, they're, 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 they know what they're going to go do. Yeah. So they're, they're preparing themselves for tomorrow. Yeah. That's an interesting thing to see. The other, the other side you get is you, you see a lot of kids that their eyes are opened up to the fact that there's other things in school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have, I've got a lot of kids that have gone residential construction. Mm -hmm. They got out of school, went to college doing what their parents said and realized this is not for me. This is not my thing. Mm. come back, make a phone call off they go. They're into the trades. They're into the, they're in to construction somehow and they're better off because let's face it. School's not for everybody. No college is college is important. And I, I'm a firm believer in that, but you have to understand what you're going to do, where you're going to go and how you're going to use it. Mm -hmm. Just going for the sake of getting a degree doesn't help anybody. Mm. Exactly. So I have a lot of kids that that's, that's what they're doing. Yeah. I've got kids that changed their, I had one kid a couple of years ago, he got accepted to Cal state uh, Pomona. He changed his major with them to a construction management major right. after going through my class. And he was only with me for a year. Wow. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think that's, that's quite interesting because you know, at least from my perspective, the, the coming generation gets, um, I feel like they get quite a bad rap for being a little bit uh, wrapped in cotton wool and a bit too soft and a bit kind of, um, you know, not really looking to the future and being productive. But from what I've seen in the young apprentices that, that work uh, in my company and that I've had on site, um, they're really, it's quite a driven generation. And I think they, they don't get the credit that they deserve. You know, like you say, having, 
in your generation, perhaps mine, you know, when you're at left high school, you were kind of left floating without a clue. And, and now you're saying these young kids are making solid plans and, and really working hard towards their future. It's cool to hear. Yeah, they, they definitely are better prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, they do still fit a lot of the stereotypes that we <laughs> tend to give them. I mean, they're attached to their phones. I've got two. They're attached to their phones like you yeah. can't believe. Um, but at the same time, like my oldest, uh, he built himself a shoe rack. He's got a shoe collection. He loves shoes. Mm. So I need to play store. Went out in the garage, showed him a couple things, built a shoe rack. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, they're, they're insanely motivated when what it is they're doing is something they enjoy. Mm. But all their motivation, I've seen a lot of kids that are this way. If it's not focused towards what it is they want to go do, they do tend to question whether it's worth their time doing this. They don't see the importance of all of it. Now, mind you, that's a similarity with that my generation had with them. We all tend to going through school, ask the question, well, I'm never going to use this. Mm. You know, I get that. I get the, I'm never going to use this math question all the time in my classroom. It's like, no, that's not true. You mm. go do this. You're going to use, I mean, I show them the house and I show them all the different math equations that are that go into building a house. And like, you're going to use it all the time. Yeah. The goal for school is to expose you to different types, not, mm to make you a master of all these types just to expose you because at least you have a base set of skills as you enter whatever you want to go do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's excellent. I know. Um, and then you're obviously kind of acting in your, in your role as a sort of uh, spokesman for the industry and, and for trades. And um, I can speak at least for, over here in New Zealand, you know, when you're in high school, we really don't have anything similar to what you guys are doing there. We have um, one of the apprentices that I've um, going to have on the podcast actually is a um, young guy and he went through what they call a gateway program, which really is looked upon over here as in general, hey, if you're not good at school, then you're probably going to go to the trades. You know, they really look at, education and if you're not an academic um and and that's quite a narrow sort of range of skills um then you know anything else that you can do um isn't quite valued as high so really that was a program that he went through that was kind of like hey you're not doing so well at school like uh, you don't really want to be here like you know let's get you in contact with some industry people so he would do one day's uh, one day a week work uh, through the school through that program with a with a local uh, builder here in Christchurch, and um, and he absolutely loved it. And so he fast track tracked what he had to do to to finish the year that he was in, and um, went out and got himself an apprenticeship. And he's away, but um, you know, from what it sounds like, uh, what you're doing in the states, there's there's a lot of support from industry and from unions and from, you know, people who are there to train the next generation um, because uh, there's probably a growing skills gap that, that needs to be addressed and, and some sort of 
um, appreciation and value put back into the view of the trades that might might have been lost with um, you know the technological kind of world that we live in nowadays perhaps it's not a um, sought after job for young people but perhaps you it's it's looked it is looked down on that's true yeah um, you still get that but I I think you know as much as there are these programs out there for kids, schools still try to focus on, and districts are just as guilty as that push for college mm, mm-hmm. because they, you know, we got real heavy into that academic sense of every kid needs to go to college. Yeah. And I think part of what made the education system here great at one time was when you found what you wanted to do, you got your degree and whatever benefited the, com- the company you were working for and they helped you pay for that. Sure. So you didn't have all the debt. You had an amazing education, but it was all aligned with what you were doing. It was all functional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now to me, coming from someone who has had a, a business, it seems like it's more of a business and there's a push just to put bodies in seats mm-hmm. and you know, classes are overbooked statistically speaking, I think it, a four year degree here takes about five to six years to complete right? because there's so many kids going Mm. and a lot of these kids don't finish. Mm. I mean, I saw a study that was done out of every seven kids that go to college here. Only one of them actually starts and finishes. I don't give a time. They didn't give a time frame of how long it took the kid to start and finish. Mm. So we'll just say it was four years. I mean, he started, he finished, or she started, she finished. The other six, they all dropped out. Eventually, two of those six went back to school. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, four of them never never went. Yeah. You know, if on my campus, it's a graduation requirement for you to fill out your uh, federal student aid packet. Mm-hmm. Whether you're like all, all of my students that have no intention of going to college, Mm-hmm. already signed up have a ship out date to go to the military they still have to fill that out in order to walk and get their diploma wow yeah they can't even get they can they can't even just say just give me the diploma i don't care if i walk mm. districts won't give them the diploma they want the stat of every single senior in their district has filled out his fafsa because that means he's going to college right okay yeah and it, they, they literally they make it a requirement for every kid, every senior to graduate. They give them the packet at the beginning of the school year. Counselors pull those kids all the time and throughout the entire year and make them do it. Mm-hmm. You can't graduate unless you do it. Mm-hmm. At the same time, that student aid is supposed to go to the kids who are going to school who need help paying for college. You've got all these kids that aren't going, but the applications go in. So that means money is allocated to them and taken out of the general pool. Mm-hmm. So the kids who really need it either get less or don't have access to funds because of how long it takes for that application to be kicked out because the kid never used the money. Sure. They, just, they inundate the system and they make it a lot harder than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I yep. can say out of, I'm one of those kids that has gone back to school because yep. I'm going back to school. I'll get my bachelor's degree. Uh, but it's, it's just to help me in my classroom. Sure. It's literally to further my career is not just for the sake of going. Yeah, that's right. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder, so, I mean, when you say, you know, a lot of guys who are doing your courses, um, they're not interested in going to the college. And like you say, a lot of them have got their mindset on the military. I wonder what, educate me a little bit about what the system is uh, as far as, you mentioned one of your students went on and did a construction management degree. Uh, those sorts of, uh, so over here in New Zealand, we call them like technology institutes. They're kind of um, trades, trade schools, I guess, if you will, um, where you finish your high school and then you can go on to tertiary education, which is, you know, either your university college, I guess what you call them over there. And then um, your, yeah, you're like your, your engineering schools and stuff like that. Is that a big thing over there in the States? I mean, I myself am doing a, a part-time construction management degree right now. And I know that, you know, beyond just um, being on the tools and um, and taking that route into the into the industry, the, the, uh, the Polytech school that I'm going to currently has over like 200 different qualifications in construction alone. You know, it's such a wide range of entry points into that industry. Um, are you in your job, are you trying to funnel guys or and girls or at least kind of make them aware of, Hey, you know, you don't just have to be swinging a hammer. There's a lot more you can be doing in this industry in the future. I try to make them aware that there's a lot more that they can do. Yeah. Um, because I know swinging the hammer takes its toll on everyone's body. Mm. Um, and there's so many different career fields within construction. Mm-hmm. Here, uh, when you go to your secondary education level, which would be your college and your university, um, there's not a whole lot college and university-wise offered for construction. Right. You can get your architect, your engineer, uh, construction management. Those are the big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else is done through trade school, but trade school is simply introduce you to the tools, the simple skills to get you employed and off you go. Right. And the rest you learn on the job. So trade schools are different here. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that do it right here are probably more of the automotive ones, mm. but they literally, they walk them through everything they need to know to work on the cars for whatever, whether it's Toyota or Lexus, whatever program they get into is aligned with the, a car manufacturer. So that manufacturer teaches them everything they need to know for their entire product line. And then off they go. So it's, it's a, uh, an education for sure, because you're getting all kinds of skills, but it, it, it's a very focused. So it streamlines the education process. You don't have to take, uh, an English class if you're trying to do, you know, construction and build houses and learn to be a contractor. Mm-hmm. You don't have to take, or you don't have to take a, a bioengineering class for that. It, it streamlines streamlines the process and lets you focus on what it is you want to do. Sure. Um, college here, there's a lot of prerequisites that you have to fulfill in order to get to the point where you can focus on what it is you want to do. Yes. But you got to get to that point first. Mm-hmm. Uh, trade schools allow you to, the skills you need to gain employment, and then they mm-hmm. do try to help you get employment because mm-hmm. um, that helps their funding for their school. Sure. So, but trade schools here do kind of have a bad rap. The mm. they can be kind of fly by night, here one day gone the next kind of a deal. Okay. Uh, there are some out there that are that are quality programs, and then there are some that aren't. And then there are some that in the past have been quality programs that because they lost 
some kind of accreditation or funding, they can no longer be worth anything. So anyone who had paid to get their education from that place, well, your education is now worthless. Right. right. Because your, your piece of paper is now meaningless. Mm. Mm. So um, there's a lot of value placed in that piece of paper instead of the skills the individual actually has. Yeah. Go, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that from the outside looking in, that certainly seems to be the view of, um, of how it works over there. I know over here, our kind of, we have trade schools. I went to one, um, I finished up high school and, um, I kind of had a few gap years and traveled the world a little bit and did some other things and then went back into a trade school. Um, and over here, they're quite good because they're kind of, linked hand in hand with uh, the apprenticeship schemes that we run in New Zealand. So basically what you do is almost like a block course of they teach you, you know, they teach you how to handle tools and how to build like probably similar to your course, you'll build a house over the, over the year that you're in the school. And then while you're doing that, you're doing the theoretical book work that you need for your apprenticeship. So once you leave that school after that one year block course, you've done all your book work you need for your apprenticeship. And then you move out with work experience. Um, and then you move out into the industry, take up your apprenticeship with an employer and you're only focused on your practical competency on site. And, um, it allows, you know, guys can be done their apprenticeships in, in three years. And then, you know, it's not a bad way. Like you say, school's not for everyone. And if, if you're doing that straight out of school, you know, you can be 20, 21 years old and you're a fully qualified, uh, fully qualified construction professional and earning pretty decent money, you know, whereas there's a whole bunch of, um, even over here in New Zealand, really highly qualified people who are pouring coffees at Starbucks because uh, they can't get a job. So, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a good way to go if school's not for you. No, it, it absolutely is. And you get a lot of those very highly qualified, very educated individuals pouring coffees here too. Yeah. Or waiting tables. And you, I think you get that everywhere. Mm. And I think society as a whole, we have pushed a focus on just any industry you, you think of mm -hmm. to the point where you have to have that degree. And the, the value of the individual is based on that degree. And you, we base that, we put the value for that degree very, very high. Mm. But I, I've known lots of guys that have a degree that have no business even doing what it is their degree is in. Sure. Sure. You know, um, I, you know, I met a, I knew a kid that he went on to become a math professor. Mm -hmm. and he teaches math at one of the colleges here in California. And I took the load loss calculation to him that electricians used. Mm. Tried to get him to explain it to me. He had no idea what it was. He could not solve it, couldn't do it. Couldn't. But he is, per our system and our standards, a highly educated individual. This is something within his you know, skill set. He mm -hmm. should know what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Same kid. I showed him some of the calculations that you know heavy equipment and crane operators do, and he was just dumbfounded by the math mm. because it's not anything he does. And these are all people that don't have degrees. And I think we lost that focus uh, as a whole 
on what the individual can actually do. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, and we place all our value on that piece of paper. Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting, you know, um, to go on a little bit more about that. I was uh, speaking with a coworker the other day and we were discussing that in terms of carpentry, but you know, what other industry can you have no kind of secondary education other than you graduated high school and you can work your way up and, and be handling projects that are worth millions and millions of dollars without any real formal training other than, you know, your practical skills on the site and moving through the ranks. You know, there's not many other industries where you can do something like that. Um, so there's, no, there's, there's not, most of them have some kind of certification or some kind of something. I know you can be an entrepreneur in whatever you want to do and, and, mm. and be successful. Mm-hmm. But I think to a degree that involves the amount of hustle and work you're willing to do. Yeah. That's the greatest thing about construction. You, you learn a viable skill mm. that's never going to go out of style. Yeah. You know, construction, when residential dips, commercial tends to take off. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, people are always going to live in homes. Someone needs to know how to build them and repair them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So how, how, do we, how do we think we can support the next generation a little bit better, you know, moving forward, um, you know, people are changing all the time. Obviously, like you say, you, what you're trying to do is, is seemingly well received by industry at large, but what do you think are some areas that we can improve construction moving forward, especially in terms of the next generation coming through? I think there's so much in construction. I think as much as the unions um, are involved, I think mm-hmm. we need construction as a whole because there's more than just unions in construction. Mm-hmm. You know, residential construction, unions aren't in, in that uh, in, in the states here. Uh, there's new legislature coming out that's going to allow them to get back in mm-hmm. and do housing tracks and stuff like that. Um, I think it needs to be open all the way around. I think you need those small business owners to be more involved in the education process, to expose kids to all the different avenues that they have, whether it's construction or whatever, I don't care what it is. Mm -hmm. Kids need a broader range of exposure to the things that are out there. Mm -hmm. We have, um, we've done a good job starting the process of changing that stigmatism of construction being that, that non-skilled goof off in high school that couldn't get through high school, mm. uh, that, that everyone in construction is that way. Mm. And I think we've, you know, become so judgmental in that aspect that we look down on those people. But I know lots of people in construction that can do things that a lot of people with degrees can't do, yeah. but yet they can adapt and still go back to school and get a degree they can go and change and still go do what those people do. Mm-hmm. That's the greatest. That's one of the greatest attributes about construction workers is they can adapt. Yes. You know, to the, the challenges of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think first and foremost in construction, you, uh, you learn how to work and you can apply that 
in any direction you want once you kind of yeah. feel empowered. That's it's the great thing because you're you're learning practical skills that that make a difference in the real world, and you can see what you're doing in real time. And uh, I think that's quite empowering, and and I can imagine so for young people seeing you know, hey, I can I can do something here. I can have an effect on the world and I can take these skills and, you know, go any which way I want with them. So, yeah. It is. It's a lot of, it's a lot of fun to watch these kids walk out of class going, I built that. Yeah. You know, they get that look and, oh, my God, I, I, I did that. Wow. Mm, yeah. You know. That's awesome. Oh, well. So, Great. It's, it's an education unlike any other. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Thanks, Andrew. I think that's a good place to end it. Um, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. And um, do you want to tell people where um, they can find you at on on Instagram and all that kind of stuff and follow what you're doing? Um, Right now, my Instagram title is CarpenterBoss53. Follow me on Instagram, see what goes on. I tend to post... uh, projects that I work on or things that go on in my classroom because I try to promote what my kids can do. Sure. Um, And so everything for me, Instagram started that way. So it's very heavy projects. My kids do. I've got a ton of stuff that thanks to quarantine, I've got to flood my Instagram page with (laughs) updates on all the things that my students have built, but it's one way to see what the next generation of kids are trying to get into and trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. So great. It's a great, great program. Awesome. All right. Thank you very much, Andrew. Appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Thanks for listening, friend. If, like me, you enjoy conversations about the love of building and creating, then please consider subscribing to this show and leaving a review at wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks very much again to Andrew for coming on. I really enjoyed that chat, and you can check out what he's up to on Instagram at Carpenter Boss 53 and also on the Hammer app at Andrew Way. Thanks again for your time. You can follow me on Instagram at Chipaway Carpenter to keep up to date with what's happening on the podcast. And until the next one, keep chipping away. <laughs>